episode of the serrated edge the show where i get to be better than you and laugh about it i'm just kidding uh but welcome back <laughs> to, my, <laughs> to my to my uh, to my favorite pastime which is podcasting uh and i'm not alone uh as you could tell by i'm sure the hearty chuckle uh, i am joined by my dear friend and seminarian travis not east West, how you doing, brother? I mean, I'm well. I'm actually, I'm just getting out of one of my classes this evening. So, summer semester just started. I'm looking at the Psalms for pastoral ministry, and man, I'm I'm on a I'm on a high right now. I'm on a high. This Coming is the way. It's, it's good. It's awesome. All right. Uh, so, you go to uh, Grace Baptist Theological Seminary. Grace Bible, Bible. Theological Seminary. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but they are a uh, Reformed Baptist uh, 1689 seminary. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, so who's your least favorite professor? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I want you to tell me all the heresies that you've heard. No. Uh, <laughs> so James White and Theonomy. <laughs> and that's a wrap, folks. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, so, uh, in traditional distilling theology fashion, uh, although we are not on distilling theology, we are sipping beverages this evening, um, and so I am simply sipping some uh, cheap Duggan's Dew blended scotch, which is uh, kind of a regular in my household. It's pretty delicious for the price. It's like 25 bucks for a big old jug, and I mm-hmm. enjoy it. What do you got tonight? Uh, I've actually got a cold brew top with Jameson Cobrew. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, ever, uh, how do you say it? Um, Arabica <laughs> on the nose. Am I saying that right? I'm probably butchering it. Um, we'll go with it. Yeah. So just a, just a splash of that in my, my evening, evening cup of Joe. That won't keep you up. It will not keep you up all night. So does the, does the alcohol counteract the caffeine? Yeah. So this is the Irish, this, this is the, this is the Irish for loco. <laughs> uh, I'll have to let my wife know she's Irish. Um, <laughs> so tonight we wanted to talk about a topic that came up uh, somewhat recently here locally, um, and it's something that we were kind of uh, talking about the other day as well. Um, and what I've seen recently resurface, at least here and with some of the folks that I interact with regularly, is the whole idea of it's not religion, it's a relationship. Mm. And then, of course, I always chuckle and think of uh, my favorite systematic theology, John Kelvin's Institutes of the Christian Relationship. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's very good. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I wanted to talk about that. Um, tell me, how often is this something that you've heard on a regular basis? 
I think I've seen it on Facebook posts more than anything. Um, I don't think I've ever heard it come out of any of the pulpits that I've been in, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the emphasis on oh, religion bad, relationship good, <laughs> right? That's the that's the mantra, and just completely uh, making a word such as religion unredeemable. It's gone. It's canceled. Let's lose relationship. Religion versus relationship. So I think what I've seen is in the West, we have this sort of anti-religious um, sentiment. And, I, and I, I find it interesting that that sort of, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, sort of preceded giving up religion altogether and all the deconstruction that we see. Mm-hmm. So you have traditional Christianity in the West, Orthodox Christianity, alongside Roman Catholicism and some others, but you have that history, and then all of a sudden you have a rise of feminism and the rise of a few other things, and then postmodernism, and then folks start talking about, uh, oh, well, religion bad, right? Religion's just rules and Christianity's not just a bunch of set of rules. It's, you know, a loving dating relationship with Jesus, you know? And, and so you have that sort of lovey dovey and you start hearing that in the music, right? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, heaven meets earth, like a big sloppy wet kiss or however that lyric goes, right? It's disgusting. And, and so you have that sort of idea. And then, and that, I mean, the first time I heard it was probably a decade ago. And then, here we are a decade later and most people have either fallen into progressive Christianity. They've deconstructed from their faith or they have in some way uh, just abandoned it altogether, either for a false religion or atheism or agnosticism or whatever other flavor of uh, heathenism you want (laughs) to, you want to adopt. But um, I don't know. What do you make of that? Well, one of the things, as you were talking, you know, one of the things that, because it all, this all, this whole statement was popularized by was it Jefferson Beathkeep, right? Was that his name? Um, yeah. However, it's whether or not this, I don't know. whether or not, well, it wasn't Beaky, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, one of the things that, whether he meant to do it or not, you sort of get this unhitched from the old Testament type of mentality mm-hmm. where old Testament strict rules, um, bad, no relationship, quote unquote, with God as, as father, no regeneration, no, uh, nothing like that. Not nothing. They, they would say there was nothing close to a relationship with God until, you get in the New Testament. Um, but yet, Romans 15.4, like what What exactly, what do we have the Old Testament for? Everything was written for, for our instruction, right? So, and in that context, he includes, he, he quotes Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and the Psalms, 
So we've got the law, the prophets, and um, and our, our wisdom, our wisdom literature, our poetry. So I think that's the biggest. I think I see that as the biggest danger. Is it makes New Testament Christians instead of whole Bible Christians. And if yeah. if people really saw the the Bible as one one big story, then it's not Old Testament in a dark room, and now we're on the other side of this other side of the house that's fully lit. It's the the New Testament is as the Old Testament was moving forward, right? We get that that light shining from Genesis three fifteen on of the whole Scripture being God's story, and so here's God giving us God establishing a relationship with Adam and Eve. And then from there to Jesus being that promised seed. And now we're in Christ waiting for that future fulfillment yeah. of us, uh, of the, the new age to come where our faith is now sight. Um, has it, it's been, a, yeah, it's been a relationship from the beginning. We're not going to deny that. Um, but what relationship doesn't have rules? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's well, my, that's my big thing. I think it helps if we understand covenant theology, right? Mm-hmm. God works and has always worked through covenants with his people. A covenant is a type of relationship, but covenants mm-hmm. also have laws, right? We have, we have uh, both the law and the gospel. We have, um, strict rules by which we are to adhere uh, religiously. And then we also have, uh, but an understanding that those rules are actually for our benefit in our relationship, mm-hmm. right? So uh, a child has a relationship with a parent and the parent lays down the law, gives the children rules, but those rules are for the benefit of the children. Mm-hmm. Similarly, how, how much more is God's perfect law going to benefit us as his children. And then in addition, you know, we also have right the marriage covenant uh, and then Christ and the bride and the bridegroom relationship. Uh, marriages have covenant rules, right? There's mm-hmm. such thing as committing adultery. And so what does that mean? Well, you know, oh, well, I, I don't believe like, <laughs> like the meme that I shared, right? Uh, I hate marriage, but I love my wife. <laughs> that doesn't, you can't have one without the other, right? Right. <laughs> um, and, and add to that, what does James one twenty seven say, right? It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit the orphan, the widows, and their affliction, and to keep oneself unsustained from the world. So mm-hmm. you actually have a lot there. You have the fact that it is religion, but it is pure and undefiled. So he's defining the fact that there is defiled religion, mm-hmm. there's impure religion, right? The Pharisee people always, these religion, not relationship people always point to the Pharisees, right? Oh, you're just a religion. You're religious. You're one of those religious folks. You must be a Pharisee. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees <laughs> uh, are like some of the religious leaders we have today, right? But the Pharisees themselves, the religion was not their problem. <laughs> the problem was their heart posture towards God, right? The problem mm-hmm. was the, their rejection of Christ. Or and- tombs. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Broods of vipers, and so we we have um, we have defiled religion. We have legalism in many cases. Right, the Pharisees were very legalistic, and so you have defiled religion and undefiled religion. You have 
impure and pure religion. But then wrapped up in that verse also, you have uh, the relationship in that verse. Religion undefiled mm-hmm. before God the Father. God the Father. Right? Yeah. He is our Father. So we are his children. If we are adopted into the family of God through repentance, we are his children. So we have our religion and our relationship in the same verse. And then in that, we have the call to action, right? Our mm-hmm. Visiting the orphans and the widows. And then we have some more rules to keep oneself unstained Unstained. from the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you got law, you have relationship, you have grace, you have religion, you have relationship all wrapped up in one verse. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. But it sounds to me, go ahead. No, the Ten Commandments that everybody knows, what is the, the preface to the Ten Commandments? That it is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. So here is your heavenly father who has redeemed you, who has saved you. Now, here's how to live in light of this saving grace. Yeah. Yeah. So so our pure and undefiled religion is not void of um, grace and and love. It actually, it's coming from the very fountain of of grace and love. It's coming from the, out of the very heart of of the Father. Yeah, that we get through the Son, and 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 what is James one one twenty six? But somebody who's void of a father, and somebody who's now void of a husband, and look at God's heart. God is reaching. God has enabled us as as vessels to reach out and help those people in yeah. relationship by virtue of. Here's how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's how not to do it. Yeah. Well, in the Ten Commandments too, you also have, uh, if we understand, the Ten Commandments as the two tables of the law. The first table is our relationship before God. Mm-hmm. And then the second table is our relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. So I would even argue Christianity is not both religion and relationship. I would say it's both religion and relationships. There yes. are many relationships that are necessary for the believer, mm-hmm. right? We are called to be in relationship with fellow saints, part of be a local body of Christ, a church. You know, we are called to visit the orphan and the widow, right? To serve those who uh, are outcast, right? Mm-hmm. Not social justice warriors, but biblical justice. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Huge difference between those two things. Um, one is self-serving, and the other one is religious, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Inherently. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to look. Hold on, I had. Um, let me see here. <laughs> I had the definition of religion pulled up, and I. I lost it here. Okay. So here is Miriam Webster's definition of religion. Now, understand Christianity in light of this definition. A personal, set, or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. And then A, the service and worship of God or the supernatural 
commitment or devotion to religious faith or observance, uh, a cause, principle, or system of beliefs held to with ador and faith. So when these people say that, they're, they're not even using the word religion correctly. Right. I think what they mean to say, and I, and, and I, I think I understand the heart of it. I think there are some who, who mean well, who will say, you know, it's not a religious <clears throat> relationship. What they're really trying to say is it's not a legalistic set of pharisaical type beliefs that somehow save you in a workspace system. Mm-hmm. Right. Papacy. <laughs> uh, but it's a relationship with God who saves us, but we still worship him religiously. Yeah. 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 And I, I think there's the, there's also the reaction of, well, Christianity is obviously different than the rest of the world religions. So let's mm-hmm. not couple it by, let's not couple it with the rest of the religions of the world by saying that it's a religion. Sure. Um, but let's, but again, you know, not to beat a dead horse, uh, but we can, we can redeem a word that, that the Bible uses. So it's not even redeeming a word, right? Like we're, we're trying to save it. We're, right. we're using it in its, in its proper. truest sense. Yeah, we're using its proper proper sense. And by the way, when you uh, use the word supernatural, when you read the Webster's Dictionary, I know you weren't using the 1828, which is the authorized uh, dictionary that that is truly blessed. The, the Texas Receptus Dictionary. <laughs> Anything else is the Texas Deceptus. <laughs> I believe we call that the Passion Translation. <laughs> <laughs> the message. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, for those who, who really want to dive into that subject... Uh, Herman Bovink has a uh, a set of reform dogmatics. It's a four volume set that most of us would have to take a mortgage out to afford. Um, <laughs> however, uh, in there, uh, he has a a section on objective and subjective religion, and it's tremendously helpful in understanding sort of this idea, right? This. Um, this idea of what biblical religion actually looks like, the the separation of subjective religion, uh, which encompasses all sorts of false religion, including that which I think these people are trying to decry in this mm-hmm. statement, uh, but then objective religion, uh, which is that what um, what we would assert is is biblical. Um, and just I'm just going to read a brief introduction introduction sentence here. Um, he says, in keeping with this teaching of scripture, a distinction was made in earlier times between objective and subjective religion. And religion itself was usually described as, quote, the right manner of knowing and serving the true God. Hmm. Religion, as we understand it biblically, and as, as historically understood, meant simply understanding, uh, worshiping the true God, the God of the Bible, the scripture mm-hmm. uh, revealed Christ. Um, and he's got a huge section there, though. And it's really, really interesting, and I highly recommend uh, folks take a peek.
peeksy. Take a little peeksy at it. <laughs> it's it's in volume one of his Reformed Dogmatics, and it's called the Prolegomena. However, that's pronounced. I don't know. So, I just pulled it up. Um, I, I'll put up the eighteen twenty eight because I'm interested. I was interested in hearing, yeah, how different it is from the Miriam Webster. Um, is it okay if we're going to read it? Yeah, please do. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, check this out. Religion. Uh, this is the definition one. Religion, in its most comprehensive sense, includes a belief in the being and perfections of God, in the revelation of His will to man, in man's obligation to obey his commands in a state of reward and punishment and in man's accountableness to God. And also true godliness or piety of life with the practice of all moral duties. It therefore comprehends theology as a system of doctrines or principles, as well as practical piety for the practice of moral duties without a belief in a divine lawgiver, and without reference to his will or commands is not religion. Mm. Dude, that is, that's more in depth than many churches statements of faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. And that's the, that's which version? That's the, that's the OG 1828. Excellent. It's got some, it's got some more, but I figured just that, that first section um, yeah. was comprehensive enough. I love it. I love it. See, it's amazing how in a post-Christian culture, we've redefined the meanings of so many things, mm-hmm. right? And even in, even in trying to undo, right, that tremendous definition, uh, they still, they still have not entirely escaped, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all of it. Um, but then, then in their example sentences, right, they say, there are many religions, such as Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's that's not in the original. <laughs> uh, that's great, man. Now, <laughs> so in, in my research for this episode, I stumbled across this, and I would love to talk about <laughs> how folks have turned, well, let me just get your visceral reaction. What does it look like? What do you, what, what do you look, what do you, how do you respond? I'm already, I'm already, bra- I'm already bracing myself. How do you respond when people pray, oh, dear daddy God? <laughs> All right. So as, so as not to be irreverent, right? Like there's, there's, there's the, the Romans, you know, the Romans eight, right? Like, you know, we, calling him as Abba father. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is the, the, the sense in which, man, we, we really do have the best father that we can, you know, approach the throne of grace with confidence mm-hmm. um, and really lay everything at our father's feet. But obviously what's going to follow any sort of term of endearment that we refer to the Lord as is going to let us know what theology you really believe. Um, like, are you, are you approaching him? Like it's the sloppy wet kiss stuff or, 
are you addressing him as Jesus did in John 17 as Holy Father? All right. So I wanted to pull this up because the fact of the matter is, <laughs> uh, well, Abba is a good, um, it's a great, it's got a great meaning to it. It's a great word. It does not actually, in fact, mean daddy. <laughs> uh, it simply means, um, and I'm just pulling up my, my Greek here, but in earnest, it means essentially father, mm-hmm. right? It, it is a form of intimacy, right? There, it definitely <laughs> connotates a form of, <laughs> of closeness, right? Um, yeah. Uh, definitely we, uh, we see this now. Yeah. We see this uh, throughout the scripture, the sort of intimate and passionate prayer, right. That Jesus has with the father or um, uh, like I had pulled up here in, in, uh, in Mark uh, 1436, right. Where, where he said, Abba, father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup mm-hmm. from me, right. As he's praying in Gethsemane. And, but it has nothing to do with, like he wasn't saying, he wasn't saying, "Daddy, Daddy, God, please, I don't want to be hurt." Right? He's crying out, "Father, right, Father, if this, if this uh, cup can pass for me, but not my will, Your will be done." Right? So mm-hmm. he's he's submitting to the Father, but it certainly does not mean Daddy or Papa. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just you know. The disciples asked Jesus point blank, Lord, teach us to pray. Right. And it wasn't, if the person who knows how to approach the father, it's the son. Yeah. And we don't get that sentiment. That's, that's why I was just, chuckling a second ago while you were reading because I was trying to contain myself. Just <laughs> you know, just uh, imagining like a Babylon B ad- article about you know just the satire of you know Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray and he's saying he would say something like like that. Um well uh University of um Freeburg's George Shelbert uh um, Freeburg's it, yeah, Freeborg, Freeburg, Freeborg. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's, it's probably German. Uh, <laughs> I'm as free as a bird now. <laughs> um, he basically, uh, George Schobert basically uh, elaborates and says, in the Aramaic language, the time of Jesus, there was absolutely no other word other than Abba available in the language for Jesus to use if he wished to speak or address God as Father. Mm-hmm. So naturally, such speaking and addressing thereby would lose its special character for if it was then indeed the only possible form. So Abba was just the only term to say, hey, Father, right? Father in heaven, right? That's what he would have said. Yeah. Uh, so it, it either means father or one's own father, but it certainly does not mean papa or daddy. Uh, and... In English, you know, we have a lot of different terms for that, and they all mean very different things, even though they're addressing the same person. But no, it was just, it was not so. Yeah. So there's not two different types of daddies. 
There's not two different <laughs> types of fathers. You have your father that is cold and stoic, and then you've got the the type of father that, oh, I can approach him and I can mm-hmm. approach him however I want. I think that that might be maybe the sentiment behind that is I can just approach him flippantly and and not have to consider how I should draw my steps near yeah um and think about what I'm about to say is that right. is that Ecclesiastes 5 that warns against so. warns against that what what's interesting is that I the only time I hear this abba means daddy thing is is almost always exclusively from the people who are it's not a religion it's a relationship right and so they they take this whole they've basically painted a version of Christianity and it's typically in the more Pentecostal or charismatic type churches. They've painted a Christianity with their worship and with their words mm. and statements like these, where you're basically dating Jesus, right? And if you're listening to their worship songs, you can't tell the difference between if they're talking about Jesus or their girlfriend, right? You right. can't tell. Um, and it's all this really emotional, sappy sort of, Oh, I'm so in love with you. Uh, you know, and, and there was one dude, there was one, uh, Bethel song that I heard and I wanted to throw my computer because they were talking about um, literally talking about like essentially being like intimately involved, if you know what I mean, with Jesus. And, and I'm like, I'm sitting here coming out of my skin listening to this, but that's where this mm-hmm. leads, right? That That's where this sort of it, it gets rid of all the reverence and fear of God, right? If you have a good relationship mm-hmm. with your father, you have a healthy respect and fear of him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you ought to fear your father if you're a, a child and you mess up or you sin or, you know, or you, you have this sort of fear and respect for him knowing that he will protect me, he loves me, but if I mess up, I better run kind of thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um We've lost all of that sort of respect and fear, and we've embraced uh, one of God's attributes, not his mm-hmm. other attributes, just love, right? And they've obsessed over just the love part, never mind the fact that God is just or uh, that God has wrath or that God hates the wicked, right? <laughs> Let's just ignore all these things, that God mm-hmm. hates sin and sinners and that he will punish them and people are going to hell. Never mind all that. Let's just embrace the fact that God is love. And we're dating Jesus and we're going to call him daddy. Like that's, it's creepy. If mm-hmm. frankly, it's just kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was laughing because there's an article that was published in 1988. It looks like uh, called Abba isn't daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it just, that title alone makes me chuckle. <laughs> but that's uh, interesting though. You said 19. 19- yeah, this was like eighty eight. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I think didn't I think I one of Bethel's um, uh, I say quote unquote pastors um, <laughs> one of their one of their wolves. Um, it was actually one of his sermons where he was talking about like that sort of weird intimacy level with with God. It wasn't just in the wasn't just in that song. Um, and I remember seeing it and just going, dude, you you just want to yeah. 
this that weird Song of Solomon language, <laughs> and and completely ripping it out of context. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I'm trying to find some of their lyrics here. I mean, there's plenty of other weird ly- lyrics here. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority Jesus has given me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Last I checked, uh, Psalm, what is it? Psalm 110, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Christ? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not you, homie. But it's interesting, though, as as we're thinking about this, there's not too there, there's not a, a focus on sound doctrine. Yeah. With these at all. None. None. It, anytime you bring up doctrine or anything theological, it's always, oh, you're just being legalistic. Right. Or there you're, you being, go. you're being too intellectual, right? Intellectualism as if being intellectual is somehow a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's telling, right? Uh, we're called to be like the Bereans, right? To search the scriptures and to know truth, to understand doctrine, mm-hmm. right? And if these people are so in love with Jesus, you'd think that they'd want to know him a little better. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. When t- you're, tell, me, when, tell me about this Jesus that you love. What's he like? Right. Right. When, when you're in love, like, you know, you're a married man. When you fall in love with your wife, like you desire to know her very well. Like you, <laughs> you <laughs> listen, this is, this is, this is shows rated PG. Um, <laughs> you, you, Right, you, you want to know what makes her tick. You know, you want to know her interests. You want to know uh, what sort of, um, the- I mean, theology she has. You want to know what sort of uh, books she's into and what sort of movies mm-hmm. she likes and all these things. Right, and you spend all this time obsessing over this woman until you marry her, and then hopefully you keep pursuing her. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it's all done. <laughs> Check that box. Uh, no, <laughs> and so why is our relationship with Christ? not treated in the same way, right? Um, and they will say that it is by saying, oh, we we just want to know Jesus, and so we want to seek out personal encounters, right? Encounters with God. We want to have encounters. We want to invite him into this place and have encounters with him. I, I get so sick of hearing that term, right? Having encounters or p- the presence of God. You have no idea what the presence of God is. First of all, if you felt the true presence of God, you'd die, mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, you'd be crushed. Um so it, second of all, you don't invite mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit anywhere. It goes where he wants. Lastly, uh, this this whole idea of like, we, we want to know Jesus. Well, then he's given you some pretty good information <laughs> about who he is. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of this thing called the Bible, guys, uh, but if, if you read it, <laughs> it says a lot about him. Yeah. Even, just read those red letters that are in there in your little Bible. <laughs> read those red, red letters. letters. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but dude, the, uh, this uh, infatuation with the Jesus Revolution. Oh, my um, someone I work with brought that up. Mm-hmm. Someone in my family did too. Mm. Um, and I'll be honest, I I don't know the full history in and out, but. Uh, I read enough 
to know this it's the the it's, it happened in the seventies, right? So here's here's hippie hippie guy presenting hippie Jesus says he changed his life, and what happens to the guy? He he dies from an STD because he didn't come out of his homosexuality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So let's exalt. They say the mantra is by by saying let's let's have religion, let's have relationship, not religion. Let's exalt experience, mm-hmm. and let's disengage our mind. Yeah, well, and, and a big a, with the whole Jesus Revolution thing. Now, first of all, it's following Greg Laurie, who I'm I'm not going to announce as a uh, solid Bible teacher that you should follow. <laughs> because I, I don't recommend that. Um, and uh, obviously Chuck Smith, um, who was a very popular um, Calvary Chapel, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, has, its own, yeah, has its own issues. So we, ha- we have this, we have this sort of depiction of, of their sort of come to uh, come into better Christianity um, kind of experience, right? This whole idea of uh, just letting people be however they are and yada, yada, yada. And then the whole crusades. Well, anyway, uh, all that to say, it, it creates, the movie creates sort of this false dichotomy <laughs> of like, right, Christ meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. but then also his expectation of us <laughs> And just because some good things came out of that revolution, that movement, just mm-hmm. because some people were saved, right? God, he he can throw a, a he he can shoot a straight arrow with a crooked stick. I don't mm-hmm. know how that phrase goes. But you get what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he 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 accomplishes his means anyway through our broken efforts. That doesn't then go and justify all the things that happened and, and it's not a prescription that we ought to follow necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of that movement came, uh, a, right. The Calvary chapel is n- not necessarily. I mean, they get some things pretty good. Some things very poor. Greg Laurie, again, not somebody I'd recommend. Um, you certainly don't have a, resounding reformation happening out of this movement. You don't have a return to solid biblical doctrine. You don't have uh, a desire to live uh, uh, holy lives according to the, to the scriptures, right? Um, as reformed Christians, we believe obviously that the reformed tradition is uh, more purely Christian and historically Christian than non-reformed traditions. So how come during these revolutions and, uh, and, and big events, how come we don't see a return to the reformed faith? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty telling. We see a lot of broad evangelicalism, uh, that came out of that, which has continued to cause more problems than solutions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. And there's an interesting string through events like this where it's 
events happening outside the local church, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, there's a uh, there's not a reliance on the ordinary means of grace. Right. That that God uses to save the lost and sanctifies people. Yeah. Well, right. Right. And that's that's the same thing that goes goes with uh, revivals, right? Everybody was talking about the big Asbury revival. And I'm like, well, what's been the fruit? First mm-hmm. of all, I haven't seen any major fruit. Uh, second of all, wh- why do so many of these things, it, it totally diminishes, like you said, the ordinary means of grace, right? It totally diminishes normal, everyday Christian living, uh, mm-hmm. church life, everything else. Um, my dad once said uh, in a sermon that God most often does ordinary, extraordinary things through ordinary means. Right, even throughout the scripture, right? Everybody talks big about miracles that happen in the scripture, but that's really actually a very small portion of most of the scripture. Most of it is pretty ordinary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the New Testament is preaching, right? What does Paul do? He goes and he preaches. He calls people to repentance. Mm-hmm. Right? He debates in the public square. He. Uh, he does all the things that people are doing now. There's no real difference between what Paul is doing and what a lot of us do now. And so that's the ex- expectation of Christian life. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, during Asbury, you and I should have should have gone over to uh, it was in Kentucky, right? I'm, I'm where? Yeah, wherever. Yeah, I think so. Kentucky. Yeah. So we yeah, we should have um, just pulled out the, the text about the uh, in the days of Midian where they uh, were smashing clay pots. And causing confusion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that just came to mind, but it did. Um, <laughs> but no, you're, but you're you're right. The the ordinary. Here's another example: the the Jesus calling. Mm. You know, what is that book? But a a seeking after, I, I need something that is more than ordinary. And she admits that in the intro of of the book. I wanted something more. So I just put my pen down and then I started writing in first person what I felt God was telling me. Isn't that some sort of occultic New Age practice? It, right? Yeah. Uh, the the sort of auto writing can't remember the name of it but yeah that's something yeah. That, that new age occult occult people do <laughs> so this I, I bring that up to say this the the thread of religion not religion but relationship that that seed if you will really does bud flowers in a lot of different areas in evangelical in in evangelical circles that people don't even realize. Even Saddleback Church, Rick Warren, try Jesus for sixty try days. For 30, try yeah, Jesus it, for thirty days. Right. I think it was only thirty days, and you can however you know, long re- return. Try Jesus uh, for six to twelve free. months, <laughs> risk free, or your money back. Right. 
uh, that's emphasizing a relationship. Try a relationship with Jesus, but let's kind of not talk about the religious stuff. Let's mm-hmm. totally ignore the religion. Uh, not not repent uh, of your wicked, sinful nature and turn from your sin and fall on your knees, prostrate before God because you are a vile wretch, right? Not mm-hmm. uh, you are condemned apart from Christ. Not uh, you are uh, inherently not good. Your heart uh, is not good. Don't follow your heart, but instead repent and come to Christ. Um God's law is good. What is uh what do the Psalms say, right? Your your law is like honey to my lips, right? The Christian loves religion. The Christian mm-hmm. loves God's law. Right? His law is like honey to our lips. It is sweet. It is it is something that we crave. We we crave the justice of God and the law of God. Why? Because we love God. We love his character. We love his nature. Mm-hmm. And the law reveals his character. So there's there's no way to escape religion if you're going to be a Christian. If you want to have anything to do with Jesus, you're going to be religious and you better suck it up mm-hmm. <laughs> and get and get on the Daniel diet. <laughs> Listen, the scriptures, the scriptures mention vegetables like 12 times and it mentions meat like well over 200 times. So you want to eat biblically, start mm-hmm. cooking steaks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Want a real Bible diet? <laughs> Forget the Daniel diet. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, anyways, so this has been thrilling. It's been quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you listening, this is very, very little notes, just <laughs> casual conversation. Uh, about uh, a hot topic that is uh, res- re- resurged. Resur- I don't know. Resurgence. Resur- yeah, there's been a resurgence of it lately. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't know. That's all I got, man. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I mean, I think a, a, a thing that you and I both agree is the 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 wussification of Christians based on a sissying of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and that's the we can I think we can say that's the main the main theme of the of this of this conversation, and right. I think of the of of your of your your podcast is specifically with with men, um, Jesus was the godliest man that ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah. And once he becomes our savior, he then becomes our, our model for, for godliness, both for men and women, but for us as men, we look to him for what it means to be a godly man. Yeah. And being godly men means that we pray like Jesus prayed, we worship the Father in ways that we see Jesus worshiping, um, or praying to the Father, giving glory to the Father, mm-hmm. um, leading our families in such a way where we are pointing to 
pointing to the father, pointing to the son, the yeah. real images, the real images of, of who they are. Yeah. Um, by the spirit doing that in spirit and in truth yeah. because anything else is going to be a counterfeit. So let's smash those counterfeit Jesus's and, and counterfeit fathers that we see in these worship songs and that yeah. we see in the literature and that comes out in casual conversations. Well, and yeah, but Jesus was inherently masculine. He was a man. He was the perfect man. And as men, we ought to imitate him. And he was not an effeminate sweater vest wearing white guy with long blonde hair and blue eyes and wearing, uh, you know, um, leather sandals, right? Uh, <laughs> right. He wasn't wearing Uggs. <laughs> right? Or Birkenstocks, right? He, he was a masculine man. He was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. Uh, he, he endured some of the worst beating, uh, of human history and then was forced to carry his cross and then died on it without crying like a baby, right? He bore incredible torture. And and in addition, the entire poured out wrath of God, Mm. Right. If there's any vision of Christ that is masculine, as a as a right, he he's also called a lion. Right. He's a lamb, but mm-hmm. also a lion. So we have like books like um like uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly, right, which uh, talks about Christ's meekness and things, which are one portion of his character. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't explicitly and exclusively meek and mild. He also uh, whipped uh, people out of the temple, flipped tables, tables, and and called people, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's let's just gently take this table oh, out of here. Oh, let's fold yeah. the legs one at a time. Right? He flipped that. He flipped that crap, <laughs> and, and then he whipped him. He literally broke out a freaking whip and was whipping him out of the temple. Uh, he he was aggressive when he needed to be without sin. Mm-hmm. He was angry. Without sin, he was um, strong. He was uh, bold. He was courageous. He was a he's a warrior, and he's called the Lion of Judah, mm-hmm. right? Christ is is the pinnacle of masculinity, right? But we've created Jesus, like you said. That's that's it's instead of the gospel being a command, we've turned it into a uh, an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. How often do we hear it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, did you give an invitation? No, there is no invitation. It's a command. God commands that you repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And you either do it or perish. Yep. That's it. I'm not inviting you to Christ. I'm commanding you in the name of Christ to repent of your sin. That's that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> repent and believe or perish. Mm-hmm. Not please, pretty please. He's he's mm-hmm. knocking at the door of your heart, begging you to come in. You just got to let him in because he's so weak, he can't open the door of your heart. Yeah, he's coming to lay the smack down, and when he comes back, he's gonna he's gonna put an end to all of the sin and the death will be put to death, 
and he's going to say, this is mine and that's mine and that's mine and it's all mine. And it's going to be epic and amazing. And I can't wait. The older I get, and maybe it's just because I'm turning into a cranky old man, but the older I get, the more, uh, the more I see the sinfulness of the world and the more I cannot wait to be out of the presence of sin because mm-hmm. it is miserable. It's miserable and I, and I hate it and I, and it makes me angry. You know, I, I have this vision, right. That I'm breaking out the shotgun and I'm walking out into my lawn and I'm yelling to sin, get off my lawn. (laughs) And I'm here in Arkansas, so it might come out more King of the Hillish. You better get off my lawn. (laughs) That first shot was a warning. Oh man. It's wonderful. So anyways, guys, uh Serrated. <laughs> Serrated. <laughs> no, 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 this needs to be um welcome back to the to the soft and gentle edge. <laughs> Where we wear Sanded <laughs> we with five thousand grit. <laughs> Nail file edge. <laughs> uh, welcome to the silky edge. <laughs> uh, oh, guys, listen, it's like it's almost ten forty. It's way past my bedtime, so <laughs> this is this is what you get. Um, but Christianity is a religion. It is a relationship. It's a both and, not an either or. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend. That I that you repent and believe and come to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise, uh, rip, rest in punishment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta let I, I I gotta I gotta I gotta say bye, folks, because this is this is going south quick. We love you. We appreciate you. Travis, thank you so much for joining me uh, on this episode. It has been an exciting and uh, outrageous time, uh, but I know that we've been dying to to podcast together at some point or another for a while, and this has been fun. And um, I hope that <laughs> I hope that I hope that you're willing to come back sometime. You know, I'm gonna go look up prof- professional podcast. I'm gonna go look that up and and uh, and uh, see how this this uh, placates against that. But this is everything <laughs> that I this is everything that I hoped it it would be, and I knew it would be um, with um, good conversation about the Lord and goofing off. As far as we didn't goof off more, and <laughs> if time wasn't an issue, I'm sure we could keep going. So, but no, we should, uh, we should do this again sometime. Indeed. Indeed. We shall. I'll let the, I'll let the viewers decide. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thanks so much. And whatever you do, (laughs) no, that's in word or podcast. (laughs) No, that's first Corinthians 1031. You guys didn't make that up. (laughs) No, we didn't, but it was our catchphrase. I need to come up with a, a witty catchphrase for this podcast. Do it with all your might. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh boy. And on that bombshell. And on that bombshell. Have a good night. Be blessed.